Hold on. <clears throat> hey, everybody. Welcome to a Kush and Kai um, mini pod. We got uh, we got um, Kush on the remote satellite. Kush, are you there? Come in, Houston. Come in, Houston. Are you there? We read you. We read you, Kush. Excellent. Things you're are hired, well. You're hired. How's mother? Good times. Yeah, well, uh, doing well here on the planet. Um, today, uh, we are prepping for uh, to go see um, Star Wars this week, but we I did want to talk about something awesome that popped up in the news, or maybe not awesome, depending on uh, where you stand, is that uh, Tarantino apparently floated the idea for a Star Trek film, and J.J. Um, Abrams is running with it. Now, when I first heard about this just as a theory on the Nerdist podcast, I want to say two years ago now, I was like, was yeah, two, that could be fun. Was that two and years ago? It was at least a year ago, so let's just say a year ago. Well, but he, it, uh, this has been, you know, this this didn't happen just last week, as uh, as I've, you know, you see reported out there, where it's like, he just talked to J.B. Abrams, it's going crazy. Oh, it's, it's much more serious now. And at first, again, I was equally delighted. Uh, I'm, I'm not the biggest Tarantino fan, but something like this just piques my interest. Yeah. And then I see the report that they are making, or he is getting to do an R-rated Star Trek. That's and I have cool. mixed feelings on that. I do too. Where are your mixed feelings? I, I also am a little like, hmm... But uh, yeah, where, uh, where, where are your thoughts on this? So I haven't seen the new Star Trek series, but I understand there's a lot of cussing on it and there's naked Klingon titties. Hold on, you're, and, talking, about, you're talking about the one on the CBS All Access, which is only available right. online. Or that's right. Device connected. Uh, on pay, a paid streaming service that uh, I don't subscribe to. Neither do I. I have so, been, I've been wanting to see Discovery as well, to check it out. Mm-hmm. But I'm not... Even with the free month, are they done with the first season yet? I think they're in their mid-season hiatus right now. Okay, yeah. So I mean, uh, during that month, uh, when they're all when they're wrapped up with the whole first season, yeah. Like I'm definitely interested in checking that out too, and I, I want to see what what this new Star Trek iteration is, and where does it fall in the timeline? Is it in the Kelvin verse? Is it in the JJ verse? If I'm even using that term properly, that but, I would uh, like the J. Nobody Google that, but the JJ verse, is, it's very uh, intense because he is coming back around. JJ Abrams might be, uh, you know, he if definitely if this Tarantino thing goes forward, he'll be uh, on the producing end. Um, Bad Robot will be all up in that, I would imagine. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So my overall impression, my hope is that this is some sort of bargaining chip where. If he gets Paramount to give their 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 cornerstone chip Star Trek the green light to be an R-rated thing, that's just like they'll let me do anything, and this will still just be a PG thirteen movie, or you know, like this will still be a Star Trek movie. Solid. Well, that's, that's my hope. That, we'll see that term Star Trek because I feel like we have two different things that we've come to know and understand as Star Trek. There's got one, about three of them now, I think. Oh, that's totally. But that. I'm just saying in terms of the the man who came up with the with the thing Gene Roddenberry right he was envisioning mm-hmm. like you know space socialist utopia where everyone was like you know let's get on the same team or you know let, let's let's decide uh, some rules for everybody and maybe we'll learn about some philosophy in the skies <laughs> um, I know the first episode you know the the original series had a lot of punching in it but they did get to some you know they did <laughs> they did get to ask some broader questions with those with those episodes in it yes um. So 
And I think Next Generation was the, 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 the most that got the furthest in terms of exploring that in an episodic way, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say Deep Space Nine got to explore other aspects. Like, um, they did more of like what governance kind of means, which was interesting in its own way. Um, but the new, you know, since the Abrams re-envisioning, what, what we've sort of seen is that they took the name and kind of put a, um, like an action veneer on the front of it. Right. So they're yep. just, they took the name and they did that. <laughs> and to some extent, the next generation's movies did that a little bit. I mean, they still tried to have the, um, civics and space philosophy, you know, vegetables with them trying to blow up the board, but it doesn't come off as well if it's cooked that way. You know I mean? It's always been yes. with the original series of movies. It's a hard balance to strike, but with the J.J. Abrams ones, they went totally for action, and some of the same producers were involved with the Discovery series too. So they've they're very much in keeping with, you know, a different sort of focal point. Like it's a it's a more actiony series. It's got different things. It still has you know the Federation tropes and a lot of the 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 same you know races and stuff like that going on. So right, it, right. yeah, it's similar in that way. So what would a Tarantino piece be on top of that? Like it's probably not a deeper exploration of. Roddenberry's space piece, you know, theater. Uh, it's not going to be a trek, a trek in that in that styling. Like probably not. But I would I, say, yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. But no, I was going to wrap this up with like, in terms of it being a trek film, it's like, well, you can debate whether we're they're making those now already. But on the other side, like people saying, like, well, it's not going to be good at all. Like, well, if you're into the traditionalist sense, probably not for you, but. What's the worst Tarantino directed film in your mind? Hmm. Maybe Jackie Brown. I dig how on that scale and it's tough to compare Tarantino movies. Cause it's like, you just have to compare them to other Tarantino movies. I yeah. understand why that's on a lower tier, but I like that. I like, I really like that movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people do. Um, I mean, Controversial subject. I'm not in love with Inglorious Bastards like everyone else was. I liked um, it. I liked it. And I think actually yeah. perhaps that's telling for you because this is that's probably the best glimpse in terms of him jumping outside of his comfort sort of genres and, and, and familiar things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's a good look at it. And so, you know, take it or leave it, maybe you didn't like the movie, but at the same time, I would say, you know, critically and otherwise in his fan base, like that plays real well in the continuum of his movies, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I would say, yeah, he's going to treat these large themes about, what was it rumored to be? A Klingon war? What was his? There's something about a, a Klingon. It was a, he was going over his fascination with this next generation episode. Uh-huh. Where they come across a Federation ship, uh, they save it. They save it from being exploded, but a Klingon ship explodes anyways. Somehow they went through a rift in time, and those uh-huh. two ships were supposed to die together. Uh-huh. And because they didn't, the war went on for like another hundred years. But if had those ships died, the Klingons would have just engaged in peace. And I, I've never seen the episode. I understand it's season three. Uh, maybe you guys know it better. Oh, good times. Um, I mean, okay, so <laughs> there's that, and there uh, another next generation piece here. Uh, but the, uh, even if he makes like he's dealing with such big, broad, you know, space themes, 
Yeah. You know, I feel like we'll at least get a, a fine movie out of it. I'm not worried about it on that part. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And especially because, you know, it sounds like Paramount is knowing what they're getting into because he's just making this blind demand that it's going to be R. And that feels more like part of, you know, there's a, a message where it's like, I, I hope they all understand that they're just going to let him make a movie. Do you know what I mean? And not... Yeah. That, that's how you'll kill it, is if Paramount gets involved or removes him as direct. You know what I mean? Yes. That, that's, that's how it will end. But No, if, you, if you're going to give the guy the keys to the car, let him drive. The, I agree with that 100%. It's funny you say Next Generation, because on the other side, um, I saw Patrick Stewart interviewed recently, and he was saying he would, and this was, I, I don't remember the news, whatever, but um, he would be super mm-hmm. excited to work with Quentin Tarantino and do a next generation project in a movie format with him. It's very yeah. possibilities. The Star Trek movies that JJ Abrams producing, they do not have to involve the original uh, series characters. I mean, Star Trek is much broader than that. The, the, the first movie he did, it was a gimmick. It was a great hook. It worked out really well. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time. Yeah. The next one, not so much. And Quentin Tarantino yeah. recognizes all the flaws in that second one. And that's why I'm just like, no, this, this, this guy's going to make something really interesting here. Exactly. Yeah, I think he understands some of the themes that he's definitely working with. And it's going to be great. And, you know, all so many good um, directors take on that challenge, a la Kubrick, to, to go to space. <laughs> but I forget somebody, there was a critic talking about, who was talking to, asking him, Kubrick, about the work uh, it wasn't an interview because he didn't really give those, but just that, you know, a lot of directors go to space and many do not go back. <laughs> uh, you know, Ron Howard's, um, they had to go up hundreds of times in that vomit comet thing. Um, I think, uh, Nolan had said he wasn't going back to space. Christopher Nolan after interstellar. Oh, yeah. And, um, well, Quran too, with gravity. It was a pain in the ass. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I think uh, I I uh, I think it'll be interesting. Everybody, like, right? Like, I, we, I hate to rubber stamp things I haven't seen, but I like you're you're gonna. I'm curious, right? Like, that's worth the price of admission. Um, and uh, I think I was saying to you earlier how, you know, yeah, maybe Tarantino's not the right guy to take this take this on, but if you're Paramount. How many, yeah, there are so many studio heads that would like murder someone to get somebody like a Tarantino to show up and be like, hey, you know, your major intellectual property. Yeah, the Star Trek one. And that it's been kind of having trouble in the movie sector. You know, mind if I take a crack at that? <laughs> like they would kill <laughs> for that. That is, that is yeah. bold. Just walking into the door like, oh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think for them, they're willing to take a chance, especially with, yeah, franchises, you know, it's in the big, we all understand, like, franchises are the big-time game, but you got to be on top of your stuff. And Star Trek underperforming, my goodness, DC, uh, the Justice League underperforming, got somebody fired over there. Got a lot of people fired over there. Oh, Same thing with the Ghostbusters. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. What a, what a, what a put-together. Um all right. Well, yeah. I mean, um, I don't think I don't think I have anything else to add for Tarantino. I do find it interesting. He's, or I, I um, he's. They're finding a writing team, but a lead writer to pen the Star Trek um, uh, movie for him. 
Yeah, I mean, he'll he'll have his creative input on it too. So I'm, I'm not worried about that. But if I may offer just a little bit of insight, him break it down. Writing a film is very, um, uh, very involved because he when when he writes it, he is a very hands on. He does not dictate it, or he does not um, do a ton of uh, other writing. Besides, he writes on a 1984 very specific model Smith Corona word processor. <laughs> Oh, really? He does indeed. Um, and these take cassettes, and they only take, I forget how many, a tiny amount of megabytes they have, but you can only store so many thousand char- few thousand characters, so there's like eight, nine pages on one cartridge. Wow. And he has these huge scripts, you know, 100 pages, a few hundred pages, mm-hmm. and uh, you have to plug in each one and move them sequentially. So if you delete a page, you kind of have to readjust all the page numbers for all the other discs. Is very involved. People ask, like, well, why doesn't he just use a word processor? Why doesn't he use, like, a computer? And it's like, well, I mean, he still has the word processor. Like, it's, you know, you it's know, virtual. You know, I'm talking about word processor, right? It looks like a type yeah. electronic typewriter, but it's got a very primordial computer inside of it that captures mm-hmm. the thing. It's got that little three line screen with the digit readout. It looks like a fancy calculator. Yeah, uh, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I got to work with, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Tarantino briefly that was um, as, a, as a writing assistant. So I got to work with one of these machines. Well, now what period of time was that? And if you can tell us, uh, it was a couple of years ago and um, yeah, he was doing um, hateful eight. Okay. Uh, I forget. I, I, you know, it was some kind of NDA, but I'm not mentioning anything proprietary here. Uh, uh, he was, he was a really cool guy and just hanging out with him. You're like, Oh damn, this guy's a genius. Uh, I remember, because he was talking about, like, um, yeah, sure, you know, maybe there's a, a grammar thing or whatever, like, uh, some spelling. He, I mean, there were almost no errors, but uh, he does spell things in, in his own way. But I remember I deleted a period off a page. It was, like, page, deep page 70. No, it was, a, it was a comma that was, like, repetitive. Right. And he wouldn't have noticed it. And there was, like, a bunch of other changes that went back in the thing. And he came back, and it was circled where the comma was supposed to be. And it was, like, put back. <laughs> uh, I was like, God damn. Um, and so I damn. think the reason that he uses the word processor is not because, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't use a computer, you know, not because it's easy. He does this because it's hard. Because it's like, you have to really focus. It's like playing a concert piano. You know what I mean? It's like big chunks mm-hmm. of script here and there. Like, he just, it's just speculative. But yeah, he works that way. It's very intense. So seeing relinquish control of that, it's so uh, interesting. I would still imagine he has, you know, it's going to be his story, um, idea and germination, and he's the director. So that's still block grip control. <laughs> now, do you think that, uh, there's going to be action in this movie? Oh, that's, that's a given. Do you think he's going to try and take it on like a, a more of a psychedelic uh, quest or track or scape or scope? Like he's gonna go, like, go deeper. He's gonna ask some. Human- just shot, just exterior shots of the Enterprise oh, with Strawberry Letter Twenty Two playing in the background, as opposed to the Beastie Boys. Like, just, just- we'll see. He's taking. You know what? He maybe he'll get the Summer of Love out of his system because he's going back. The Manson. He's directing the Mansony thing for first. Oh wow! So maybe that'll be. You know what I mean? He'll be done with that, and he'll be ready to go into space. But yeah, we'll see what timeline he picks up. That'll be interesting. 
Uh, and as long as we're talking about Star Trek, um, I know Discovery's not on the air, but it's out there. The most Star Trek-y show out there right now, uh, The Orville. Delightful. <laughs> Loving The Orville. I just finished the season finale uh, a couple hours ago. And oh, this is one of my favorite TV's first seasons ever. Oh. Like Heroes and The Flash. Oh. This is a perfect season. 12 episodes. All I of them better than the next. They kept ascending and just like delightfulness and... I gotta say, somebody. Uh, I, this is somebody else's point, but they were they were kind of making the rounds that, or the, the making the idea that, um, because it's difficult to to a Trekkie Trek show, Discovery was like, ah, screw it, we're gonna just you know do something more zingy and interesting and with action, and then Seth MacFarlane like is really trying to do the groundwork where it's like, look, I know it's preachy with the message. You know what I mean? Like, especially in the finale, there's a great message he jams home there. Um, but I, you know, he wraps these, these, um, life, le- you know, these, uh, societal lesson veggies in this, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the delightful light st- comedy stylings and the, um, uh, the, 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 the gentle teamwork uh, of the Orville. It's, uh, it's <laughs> great. What is your favorite moment of uh, the season of the Orville message? No message, just, just moment. Oh, oh, absolutely. There's one I want to get a painting of. Uh, it's when Isaac is with Dr. Quinn Finn's um, kids and he's guiding them across the planet. And he, they're separated from her and the kids are scared on this alien planet. And so he makes a campfire and they're there by the stars and there's a lake and he's telling the story of Peter Rabbit, but in her voice and they pull back and you can see some like like stars in the river and they're there and it's te- like it's mm-hmm. just uh you know it's like it fits just as his own fairy tale where the you know where the robot spaceman talked to the kids when they're on the planet looking for their mom you know being threatened by aliens like it was just perfect <laughs> no nice. perfect um yeah how about you my my favorite moment and my most disappointing moment are the same scene where Bordis is about to sing Celine Dion's oh, My will go on my. and is immediately cut off before oh he can God. open his mouth. I wanted to riot. I think <laughs> I've never thrown a Molotov cocktail and I never will. But just that it's like, if I had a chance to, sh- then I feel like to show my rage, well, they, they would not give us this. <laughs> you think we'll ever let, see, let him get to see him sing? I hope they revisit it in the next season. I think they have to. Uh, L- Lieutenant Bordas, the uh, Mocklin. Um, yes. Uh, everybody. One of my favorites, I have to say. Um, alrighty. Well, we should uh, be wrapping it up there. But I think so. For- have we seen Star Wars yet? At this at this moment. Maybe maybe we have. You're deciding right now. <laughs> okay, we have not seen Star We've Wars yet. So yeah. So keep an eye out for that. Cushionkai.com, iTunes, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Good times. Good times. Yep. Yeah. Good time. Um, yeah. Rock on, Kush. Rock on, Kai. Peace.